Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 116. So we're talking coronavirus this week. (laughs) Oh boy. I keep changing my mind on corona. Based in fear, mostly, I think. I'm, I'm terrified of getting sick. But I can see my fear changing with time. And... And what I'm afraid of has changed so much since March, almost 180 degrees. Let me step back for one second, okay? Science, (laughs) boring, I know, I know, bear with me. Science is the alternating sequence of hypothesis and observation. You need to have both. The hypothesis is your model of reality. But not all hypotheses are created equal. They need to be predictive. And those predictions need to be a little contrary. If I say I predict that the sun will rise in the east tomorrow, well, (laughs) that's pretty meaningless. And, And the predictions, well, they need to be stated ahead of time. When something happens and people say, oh, I expected that, or they say, I'm not surprised, I call bullshit immediately. It's so easy to say you were right. I mean, what's the cliche? Uh, Hindsight's 20-20. So predictions need to be, well, predictive, they need to be contrary, and they need to be stated ahead of time. They also need to be specific. What a prediction leaves out is as important as what the prediction includes. And what they predict won't happen is just as important as what a prediction predicts will happen. So if your, let's see, if your prediction covers every possibility, (laughs) that's a shitty prediction. A theory that can explain anything explains nothing. So let me start with my predictions. Prediction number one, the current COVID hotspots will have similar curves to other places, and they will level off around... 600 to 700 deaths per million. Prediction number two, no second death waves. Because, well, this is kind of blunt, but most of the really sick and really vulnerable people are, they're already dead. And the people who spread the disease the most or have the capacity to spread the disease the most, the, uh, what do they call them, the super spreaders, well, by now they're recovered or they're isolated, or, or well, they're dead. And it's also possible that masks don't just slow the spread, they actually decrease the viral load, so a case that gets past a mask will be a less severe case. Maybe, maybe. Prediction number three, we're going to have a very weak flu season this winter because Well, again, because most of the really vulnerable people who would die from flu are already dead. Although I suppose new people are always entering this vulnerable category. And I actually want to talk more about that in a second. Anyway, those are the three predictions. Here's the model of the world that I have right now. And, you know, the caveat, the big wild card here is the long-term side effects. How many people are going to have their health permanently impaired because of coronavirus. And that would change my analysis here substantially. And I just haven't seen any data on this question, which is super frustrating. Okay, let's start with this question. How many people does COVID actually kill? 
<laughs> it's amazing that we still don't know that answer. It's complicated. And maybe it's more complicated because the virus may be, I don't know, mutating into a more virulent, less lethal form. I don't know. But if we look at case fatality rates, the CFR, they're all over the place. Some of the places that got hit early are up in the 10% to 15% CFR, although that seems to be mostly because of lack of testing. Now, countries that got hit later have case fatality rates around uh, 2% to 4%. But testing still isn't even close to comprehensive. And I think the data here still isn't great. For example, the, uh, the serology tests looking for antibodies. The estimates I've seen for the IFR, which is the infection fatality rate, are closer to 0.6%. Now, that's the death rate for everyone who would test positive if they could get a test. Here's the problem, though, because no country, as of today at least, has a population fatality rate above 0.1%. Most countries seem to be trailing off around uh, 0.06% to 0.07%. So that's uh, 600 to 700 deaths per million. Now that is an enormous hole to fill. Because you have an infection fatality rate maybe of 0.6%, but you have a population fatality rate of 0.06%. That's a 10x difference. <laughs> That's a full order of magnitude. They're not even close. Why? Well, there are multiple possible reasons, which is annoying. But it's possible that a lot of people don't even get sick when they're exposed because their innate immune systems fight the infection off immediately. Another factor, maybe it's just that not everyone has been exposed yet. Most people are being very careful, and therefore, if everyone was exposed, we would see 10x the deaths. That's possible. Now, there are places like New York or New Jersey or Connecticut or Lombardy in northern Italy with much higher population fatality rates, around 0.2%. Now, that's three times as high as any country on the whole. So how do we explain that? How do we reconcile that? Well, those places all got hit really early. So maybe the sick waited too long to get treatment. Or maybe the treatment they got was terrible. You know, they got ventilated too aggressively or something. And because those places got hit early... Everyone was still going about their lives, and the superspreaders, therefore, could expose more of the population. Now, these places also are very high density, and high density means more superspreader events, like, uh, like a subway or an elevator. And, and there are other explanations. Maybe these places overstated the deaths because they didn't have good testing ability. I think, uh, I think some states are including probable cases even if there isn't a positive test. And let's remember also that Cuomo and some of the other governors forced COVID-positive people into nursing homes. <laughs> let's remember that. Let's never forget that. So those are some of the possibilities. And I feel like we're at least starting to understand the layout of this problem, how to think about how many people COVID kills even if we still don't know exactly how the pieces fit. Next question. 
who does COVID kill? And I think here we have to realize that health is cumulative. Health is cumulative. It's not binary. People usually die not from one thing, but from multiple serious problems. And the one that gets written down on the death certificate might have won that race, but maybe they won that race by a yard. So my belief is that COVID, like like the many strains of seasonal flu, it pushes people who are already sick, already vulnerable, over the edge. It's like someone's running a 100-yard dash to death, and they're at the 99th yard, and COVID just pushes them those last three feet. Now, this raises a really important issue, because everything I've seen is telling me that the lockdowns are making us sicker. The lockdowns are making more people vulnerable to COVID because we're staying inside more, which means we're getting less sun, less vitamin D. Is our diet worse? Yeah, probably. Are we drinking more alcohol? Yeah, probably. Are we getting less exercise? Yeah, probably. Are we under more stress? Highly likely. And because COVID is so transmissible, and because it's already pretty much everywhere, lockdowns don't work, except to flatten the curve. Flattening the curve is great. It protects hospitals and ICUs, but it doesn't reduce total cases over time. And I think this bears repeating. The evidence I've seen, at least, and I could be wrong, I may be living in my own filter bubble, but the evidence I've seen shows that there is zero correlation between lockdowns and COVID impact. Zero correlation. Now, you could argue that the lockdowns were done wrong or people didn't follow instructions. And I would agree with all of that. But I'm not sure that matters because we don't live in some theoretical utopia. We have to implement policies that work in reality. Now, if the spread can't be stopped, if we've passed that point, if, and it's a big if, if the lockdowns simply delay the inevitable and COVID is going to become a recurring seasonal coronavirus, just like the recurring seasonal rhinoviruses, then time matters. You want to get to herd immunity as fast as possible, especially to protect the elderly, especially to protect the vulnerable, because they can't stay inside forever. So it's possible, it's really possible that the protests are the best thing we could be doing right now, because it's spreading coronavirus through a young, healthy population that will then not be able to pass it on after a couple of weeks. Now, <laughs> I used to dismiss the idea of herd immunity as insane. Let me get this straight. You want 70% of the population to get sick? What the fuck? But if, and this is a big if, if half the population is healthy enough that they don't even catch the disease because of their innate immune system, and therefore they can't transmit the disease, you don't have to get 70%. You only have to get to 20%. Lower, even, right? Because you do have social distancing, and you do have masks, and you have fewer super spreaders. So if that's true, this implies two things. 
First, yes, take sensible precautions. I personally am still erring way on the side of caution, probably too far. But even if you're confident, I think it makes sense to try to, I don't know, avoid crowded indoor spaces. Wear a mask. Second, and this is the big one, get healthier. Try to become someone who won't burden the hospital system. Try to become someone who won't even get sick. Try to become someone who can't pass COVID on to someone else. The single best way to stop COVID and to get the economy open again is to get healthy. Stopping COVID and getting the economy open again, they're inextricably linked because until cases drop, a lot of people, very sensibly, they won't be confident enough to leave their homes and go back to their normal lives. They won't be confident enough to send their kids back to school. And we have to get the economy open again. The average life expectancy in the United States now has dropped for three years in a row. That's unheard of. And apparently, there are three key drivers. Number one, drug overdoses, including opioids. Number two, suicide. And number three, liver disease, which I assume is because of alcoholism. Drug overdoses, alcoholism, suicide, those are all deaths of despair. And I shudder, I shudder to think what those numbers are going to look like in 2020. So it's all tied together. Stopping COVID deaths, economic recovery, stopping deaths of despair. The solution, I believe, for all of them, all the way upstream is getting healthy. Okay, Matt, we got it. We got it. How do we get healthy? You get healthy by eliminating processed foods by intermittent fasting, by exercising, by by getting sunlight and vitamin D. Every single one of those boosts your innate immune system and reduces inflammation. Inflammation, it's at the heart of metabolic syndrome. And that's at the heart of every fucking chronic disease of civilization. Diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease. Inflammation kills Millions of Americans every year, millions, processed food with its, with its seed oils and its sugar and its refined carbohydrates has made most Americans chronically ill. 40% of Americans are now obese. 10% of adults in this country are severely obese. And there's no shaming here, not of people. But yeah, I want to shame the fuck out of the FDA for telling us to eat carbohydrates. I want to shame the fucking processed food companies for loading our diet with seed oils, for for designing their shitty fake foods to be addictive. Those organizations, those industries, they deserve to be shamed. Now, if I'm right, and health is the answer to all of this, why aren't we hearing these ideas 24-7? And more and more, the only answer I can come up with is follow the money. There is so much money in chronically sick people. There's no money in preventative medicine. There is so much money in processed food, in fast food. There's no money in natural food. America is a sick country. COVID didn't make us sick. It just revealed the sickness. Anyway, that's all I got this week. I'll catch you later.